All right, welcome to another great episode of the Get Out of Your Own Way Now show. I'm very excited to have my good friend, Nicholas Bailey. And now I know a lot of people say my good friend, and when they say that, it's like, yeah, I just met you like five minutes ago, but I've actually known Nicholas for a number of years. He was a coach of mine in the health and fitness space for a while and has helped me with a lot of things. Um, him and his wife, Amanda, are two fantastic humans that um, I just have a lot of gratitude for, for what they've done, where they've gone, and what they've helped me do. So I'm super excited that he's here. Um, he is the owner of the Billion Dollar Body, which I'm sure he'll talk a little bit about, so I won't steal his thunder from that. Um, but he is more or less a badass that it went from like, well, I don't even want to steal your story, like, but from something that most of us would never even think of doing to awesome entrepreneur, very successful and doing a lot of things. And so I felt like he would be a fantastic fit for this video show and podcast. So I'm excited that you're here. Nicholas, say hello. Well, I appreciate it, Bob. I know that you've been an inspiration to me as well. Even one of the times I got to speak when you were speaking a lot, you gave me some feedback as well. So just, I've learned a lot from you and, you know, feedback is always really, really good. That shows that people are close and that they're really good friends. And I want to honor you real quick because in my story, there wasn't an interview or podcast or Facebook live or something like this that I just had come my way. Someone transformed my life in person, but it was with a small piece of knowledge. And so if you're listening, be expectant. Don't go to the, oh, this is another interview, something like that. No, come expectant because when you're expectant, transformation happens, transform my life. And I'm hoping we can do that here today as well. So I appreciate it. Dude, I love it. I love it. And by the way, guys, yes, it will. So for most of, you, most of my audience probably has no idea who you are. Maybe a few of them do. Um, just give us a, a brief backstory of sort of who you are, what you're doing now and where you came from so that they know and we set the tone for why they need to be listening to you. Yeah, I appreciate it. I grew up in San Diego. My parents actually split up when I was four. I felt so much pressure from having two households that were kind of chaotic that I wrote my first suicide letter when I was seven. Just like, why am I even here? This is really dumb. I constantly had a battle between as growing up wanting the approval of my dad, but also when I'm with my mom, my mom hated my dad. And when I'm with my dad, my dad hated my mom. And it just felt like it was really like pulling me apart to the point where I had mass anxiety in third grade, struggled with that for a really long time, self-image issues. I mean, I literally had diarrhea every single day of the third grade. I had to go home. My parents were pissed. They thought I was faking it. I was not. It was super <laughs> bad. Didn't know it was anxiety at the time. Who fakes, wait, who fakes diarrhea though? Who's like, yeah, 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 wait, I got an idea. This is yeah, what like, I'm going to Let fake. me get attention <laughs> by having everyone make fun of me. That just sounds great. Even the teacher thought I was faking. They would come down to the bathroom and be like, Nicholas, get out of here. What are you guys, are you sniffing rags or doing drugs or something? I'm like, <laughs> no, like I'm stuck in the freaking bathroom. And that led me down to wanting to prove my dad, which I want to be a professional athlete, motocross racer. And me and my dad had a big falling out. I looked to him for some type of support, didn't get it. And it actually caused me to go gain 60 pounds throughout that process. I didn't have a girlfriend for seven years. And I talked about three areas in our company that no man can outsource, meaning we can't run away from them. If we can't run away from it, we probably should get pretty good at them. One of them is health. Can't run away from it. Like, no one's going to eat for you. No one's going to drink for you. So that was the first area that I had the transformation and was inside of my health. Didn't have a girlfriend for seven years. It's like, well, the relationships, no one's going to have sex with your wife for you or your husband. So you probably should get pretty good at it okay. and other things in it as well. You at least hope not. And so it's like, if no one's going to be able to be there for your relationship, probably should get pretty good at it, not neglect it. The other one for me was providing. I got married with no income no job, no nothing, 20 and 18 years old. It's like, uh, do I want to be away from my wife my whole life or do I want to like create freedom? So I thought, oh, I'll start a business to be easy. 
didn't create any revenue substantially, never more than $3,000 in a month for three years. And over the last few years, we've been able to produce millions of dollars online and offline, which has been super amazing. Been able to lose the 60 pounds, been able to, now just had my anniversary yesterday for eight years. My son Kingston who's five months. And now we have a community which is called the Billion Dollar Brotherhood that's all about being that three-dimensional businessman. It's for myself. I bring in experts and talk about having it all success without sacrifice, building the company, but also not sacrificing the personal life. And that's what we're all about today. That's awesome. And I think those are three key areas I know personally that I've worked on. Don't have mastery of all three yet, but I think it's always a process of growth. Even if you have some level of it, there's always more that you can go to. Totally. So let me ask you this. Okay. So you said, Hey, you know, got married with basically flat broke, never made more than $3,000 in a month. Um, what was your mindset then? What is your mindset now that's different in what either what shifted it? Was there a moment? Was it over time? Like, tell me more about that. Yeah, that's a great question. So my dad was a business owner and so was my uncle. And relevant to these times, they actually had an eight-figure business. One of them uh, by themselves was a clothing company that was doing over $10 million a year. 2008 came, wiped everything out really, really difficult. We didn't make the shifts and the pivots that you're probably teaching here on shows like this to be able to not go, oh, this is going to blow over. Or at the time, it was the big thing was going online. Oh, like, we're going to keep doing things the same exact way. <laughs> but from that process, I learned from my dad that if I had a weed whacker and a lawnmower, I'd never go broke. So even at 12 years old, I had a couple thousand dollars in my sock drawer that my dad would actually use as a loan and pay it back to me. Didn't tell me he would go and take money out if he needed it put it back in my drawer, hopefully put it all back in. But I had thousands of dollars because I knew how to save and not spend money. But I also knew how to go out there and exchange money or exchange value for dollars. Value is just solving more problems for more people or bigger problems. And people exchange money for that value because it's more valuable to them. Yet when I got married, I didn't want to be the person that was just out there having a job because my dad never really taught that to me. I always thought that I'd either be a professional athlete or I'd go out there and I'd create my own business. And because being a professional athlete was not something that was working for me, when I got married, I felt this thing called responsibility. It's like I never had it before. It was so weird. Like Not only had I never made more than $3,000 in a month, this was years after. I had never even drawn a paycheck ever in my life when I got married. Never had a job. Never had done anything besides side things and selling things on Craigslist and all this stuff. And so it was very interesting process for me was feeling that responsibility. And it was, this was one huge breakthrough for me. The first thing was that I used to always go after passions. Passions were like golf and all these different things, right? Like I, I would try to be the best barista in the world. I try to be good at golfing. I try to be great at motocross. I try to be great at surfing. I try to be great at all these things. I'm like so passionate about it. I could cry. But someone once told me that you find your destiny where your passions and your responsibilities overlap. And I remember when I first heard that word responsibilities, mm. it was years into being married, by the way. I was like, man, providing for my family is probably a good responsibility. Creating something where I could like leave a legacy where my kids could take over something that I've done, that seems like a responsibility. And then all of a sudden I was like, where's my passions at? And that's where I, I was always like, my responsibilities aren't just providing, because I'd be just going in carpet cleaning for the rest of my life, which is what I was doing for two and a half years. That provides, but it's not any passion. But going after motocross, there was no chance I was going to provide. And so I, I, the two things were when my passion and my responsibilities overlapped, that's where I created the company that I have today. I know that I probably didn't answer your question there, but I, I even forget <laughs> what your question was, but hopefully that was helpful. Yeah. Okay. So um, you have responsibility and you have passion overlapping. And so you said to yourself, and I'm, I'm just going to make, make some assumptions here and then you can tell me. So you said to yourself, okay, great. I need to figure out how these two things work. Like, were you thinking, 
How oh, difference work in mindset. Okay, Bob, real quick. Yeah, yeah. Because I said yeah. all of that, the difference in mindset was this. This was very, very huge for me. When I first got into business, and I'm pretty sure the people listening right now can relate to me as long as they didn't grow up with a silver spoon or maybe even gold spoon in their mouth, depending on how wealthy they were. When I first start, like when I first got into business, the first thing I thought of was who's successful and how can I get around them? So I remember going okay. to my first live event and I people started pointing at me like this person makes $4,000 a month. This person makes $10,000 a month. This person makes $85,000 a month, right? Like all these different numbers. And I remember looking at the people that made 10K a month and I was just like, dang, like, do you think I should go say hi? Like, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should even say hi. Like, you know, it's just <laughs> it like, it's like fear of even talking to someone like that. That seems so big. Like what I thought was possible was very small. Now think about this in sports terms. There's many sports that have evolved over time. Tony Hawk did the 900, right? Now everyone can do the 900. Think about the four minute mile. No one had ran a four minute mile it was impossible. And now there's high schoolers that have ran the four minute mile because they knew it was possible. And it takes someone to do it for it to be possible to other people. Once it's possible, all of a sudden it becomes kind of simple. So I remember I was like, man, I want to make like $1,000 a month. That'd be amazing or 3000. And I was surrounding myself with people that made 10,000. This was my mindset. And I realized years later that I just was adapting to the environments that I was in and the expectation that I had. Because whatever you look for, you'll find. And if you're looking to solve $1,000 problems, which is fine at first, you have to like step your way up. Like You can't just go, I'm going to be a bazillionaire. That's just wishful thinking. I started noticing, I got around this guy who he would never eat breakfast until he made $10,000 in the day. And there was something about it when I reflected, at the time I was starting to make $1,000, $1,500 a day on average. I looked back and I thought, wow, like when I thought 10,000 was a lot, I was making $1,500 a month. Now all of a sudden it was like 10,000 a day and I was making $1,500 a day. And I thought, what if I just keep getting bigger, better people around me as I make these little steps and I'll naturally adapt and have the same expectation. I saw the same thing in golf, by the way. Golf, I started golfing with good golfers. What's the normal thing with golf? Everyone smokes cigars, drinks a ton, gets jacked <laughs> up. They shoot in the 80s and they've been playing and golf carts. So about the golf carts. Yeah, and they run over people and you see these people getting hit on golf and jump them, right? All in the sandpits. But <laughs> they, they shoot 85 in golfing for people that know. Average, very average for 25 years. They never get better. They progressed and then they hit a plateau. And a lot of people do this in their life. I chose not to do that with golf. And in a year and a half, I was shooting in the 70s when I was starting to shoot in the 140s just a year and a half prior. Why? Because I surrounded myself with pro golfers and I just naturally expected the same result that they did. And I massively grew. That was That's one huge mindset shift that's happened to me. My expectation of my reality is much higher than it was back then. What I think is possible has changed a lot too. So what do you think, like, what was the, was there a moment? Was there a time where you said, okay, um, this is too small now. I need to go bigger. Or was it and like, even within that, is it like, how do you say, I'm going to go talk to this guy making $85,000 a month? Because for, I, I would imagine for most of my audience right now, they're not doing anywhere close to that. And they're like, what do I do? How do I get myself there? Um, and maybe even having that same fear of, can I even talk to this person? Totally. So transformations always happen to me around people. This is why I preach it so much. You know, I, I sell brotherhood. Like I get people around other high level people that keep them accountable, keep them on track, doing the right things every single day. I remember one transformation for me was connecting with a high level leader. He had sold $170,000 of the same exact service that I wanted to sell in his very first year. And at the time 
I was maybe selling a couple, maybe $7,000 a month of the service. So I'm like, wow, like they're, they are selling packages over double the amounts of me in the same exact industry as me. And they're doing it with ease. I need to look into this service. And I remember sitting down with this guy and looking at the service saying, my gosh, my service has more stuff in it. And he's selling this thing for $10,000. And it was just like epiphany that it was possible. That was the first thing for me. The second thing I, I started studying, how did they do it? And what's so interesting is we have a, a saying here at BB that's some things are better caught than taught. When he told me the story of how he was selling the people, there was almost a belief that went on the inside of me that I could do the same exact thing. And I started using the same phrase. At this point, it was, if you had one pill that got you this result, what would the pill be worth to you? It's much more elaborate than that. But there was something that hit, hit on me that when I started talking to people, I started asking, what is the outcome of this worth to you? And they started actually putting a dollar amount to the transformation that they had, something they had never put into words before. So then when I asked for the sale, it didn't seem like that crazy when they say, hey, it's worth $70,000 because that's what I have in equity in my account if I sell my car and I'm willing to do it. Right. Like, well, it's only this much. And there was something like that. The second thing was actually a mastermind that you and I are in together the year before you joined was Thrive. I was cleaning carpets. A mastermind is a group of collected people and a like-minded vision coming together in a spirit of harmony to hit a goal together. So basically removing the crappy people and getting high uh, profile people around you on a constant basis that are going towards the same thing not crabs in a bucket that always pull you down. Never have to put a lid on a crab uh, in a bucket of crabs because they always pull each other back in. No crab will let the other crab out. Whereas you want to go with people that will make you soar higher. And I remember just going to this group and I remember being completely broke, carpet cleaner, making 1500 bucks a month on the good months, 1200 months on the other, 1200 bucks on the other ones. Personally, I was filing taxes for $19,000, $21,000 on my biggest year. So that's transparently 100% what I was making. My wife went to an event. I didn't even go because I was in such a negative mindset. She swiped her card at the time for one event for $5,000. That's what it was. Six-month mastermind, one event, six months down the road. Didn't get on any calls or anything like that. And what was so interesting that happened to me, this was like one of the biggest transformations that I've constantly continued to do, was that all my friends were telling me, crabs in a bucket, you haven't learned anything. You haven't grown at all. You haven't grown your business refund before you go to that event. Like they haven't really done anything for you. You might as well like get your money back. And it, it was like such a, a weird feeling of like, oh, I could save 5,000 bucks. Luckily, my dad had taught me better than that. I'd be so ashamed of doing the one thing that I wouldn't want other people to do to me. So I randomly showed up to that event. Worst kid in the room, made $19,000, could hardly mm -hmm. afford a haircut. I didn't even have a button up shirt. I think I borrowed one at the time. Went to that event. And I remember going there and seeing these people that were high level made me want to operate at a higher level as well. I was like, man, I can't keep showing up here and not growing. Two, they believed in me. Three, they believed in what we were doing. And four, they supported it fully. I had never had that before. And when I had that, it was so interesting. And you have the opportunity to do this to other people as well. I went out there and I did $22,000 in sales, maybe a little bit more. In the next 30 days, I had never sold more than $3,000 in a month. We have never had a not profitable month in BDB since then. And BDB wasn't even around, but even before BDB was never had a not profitable month because of that exact moment. And there was something so big for that for me. And you could do to other people as well. Today, we doubled our tab. We went out to, to breakfast together and we doubled whatever the payment was. We tipped it. It was his first day back. But imagine how that guy's going to go out every single table after that. And what I saw from this group as well is they believed in it. Some of them even invested with us and said, well, I need health help. Like I'll do it. After I left there and I went, oh my gosh, like I could do this. 
And I just took that with me everywhere I went. It was something so big with people, surrounding yourself with people that believe in you more than you believe in you. And I've consistently liked to put myself in those types of situations. Becomes even harder the more successful you get. When you're not successful, everyone wants to believe in you. But all of a sudden when you're successful, people think successful people are already good. So if you are Mm -hmm. successful and you're feeling that, it's time to maybe even put more emphasis on getting yourself in a place where you can get poured into rather than just consistently pouring out, which is why I created even my brotherhood in the first place because I knew that that was something that people struggled with. That's huge. Okay. So I want to go back for a second. You said uh, in talking with the guy, um, that first guy who had sold the same service, um, actually, which is worse, that it was his story. Um, and so I'm curious, when when you looked at what you were doing and what you were selling, even though it was better than this other guy, how was your story different? Was it the story that you were telling yourself? Was it the story you were telling the client? Um, totally. Like, Tell me more about that. Yeah, that's a really good question. So I was caught up in all the things that didn't matter. I cared so much about what people thought about me in a million different ways. Like your question just sparked like 50 things inside of me that there's no way that I'll be able to articulate them all. Yet one of the biggest things was I was scared about, oh, is my website good enough? Is my product offering good enough? Is is our templates good enough? Are our meal plans good enough? And I was selling weight loss for men at the time, just strictly is what I had done. So I was selling that exact same thing. And I was so nervous about the logo, the colors and all these things that I was even afraid. I was afraid that if someone like you were to buy it, what if they went through it and said it was a piece of crap? I was so nervous. <laughs> So even looking at other people's things, it gave me confidence to be like, okay, I'm at par or I, I can build myself up to bar, par to be able to do the same exact things. So I was focusing on the wrong things was one of the first things that was really, really big. Second thing is I had no belief in what I was doing. Like it was so difficult for me at the time to share my personal story. I thought that people will only buy from you if you're super successful. So it's like, after I make a million dollars, this will happen. Or after I have this achievement. Later, I found out, and now I've been quoted like a million times for it. I said, your mess is your message one time. Tony Robbins took it, gave us credit, all these different things. I'm sure I'm not even the first one that said it, but I'll take it all day of the week and twice on Sunday. Your mess is your message. I struggled inside of my health. Everyone in the health industry was saying, hey, your body is your billboard. You just need to be shredded, show your abs, show what's going on, and everyone will buy from you. So people started taking steroids, people started getting Botox fillers, all these different things. And what I found is I couldn't compete with those people. Like I was nowhere near the shape that they were in. I didn't even like that. Like I was like, man, I don't want to sink to the bottom of a freaking swimming pool because I have so much dang muscle in my body, you know? <laughs> I'm like, I want to still live my life and be able to scratch my own back in the back of my head without busting a bicep or ripping my shirt. And so I was so afraid of telling my personal failure story because usually when we come with a product or service, it's usually because we saw a hole in the marketplace, a need that needed to be filled, or we had a problem with it, right? Like I was thinking about creating something to spread butter because I hate getting butter all cold and spreading it on toast. I'm like, why can't there just be like a butter holder where you just like push the butter down on the toast and it almost heats it up and melts it on there? Like, because I have an issue and I'm trying to solve it. And that's what I saw in this marketplace. I was 60 pounds overweight and I had never shared a transformation photo before. The first time I shared the reason why I got fat was actually in front of Thrive. My first speaking engagement, the very first year of of the mastermind I was in. And I started breaking down crying in front of everyone. And still to this day, they talk about that that was the moment that shifted that entire environment forever. They call it the spot. The spot that's like emotional, that connects everybody. 
So one of the big things that happened to me is one, I learned how to start telling stories rather than telling facts and figures. So instead of telling people, you need to do this, like if you say it, you could be right, like, but you could be wrong as well. But if they say it, they're always going to be right. And there's many quotes about that yet. So often, you know, I could jump on here and just tell you, this is the answer. Or I could tell you a story of how I got the answer. And during that process of you listening to the story, you're going to hopefully come to the same conclusion if it's done correctly. So that was one of the things I stopped telling facts. I started telling stories. How did I learn something and have the epiphany? I started telling that. Now it's like one of the number one things we're known for. Two, I finally started telling the story unapologetically, knowing that they could connect with that failure. Dominic Wood, common friend of ours. First thing he said to me, there was many people he's looking at to hire as a health coach back in the day, but they were all so shredded. It was intimidating, but he knew that I was Mm -hmm. overweight. And so because of that, he connected with me. Two reasons why people will find you and follow you. Either they want to be like you, which is what everyone's projecting. Check out my car. Check out my hot wife. Check out this thing, all these girls behind me. You want to be like me. That is a hard life to live because it's all fake, right? Like it's tough to be like, oh, I'm perfect all the time. The other way is showing that you're just like them. I'm just like you. I struggle with the same exact things. And when I started doing those two things, that was the biggest shift for me to bring people in to say, I want to consume your content. Then it was just about making them the correct offer. Okay. And what would you say to someone who is thinking or is like, no, like, you know, I don't, I don't want to put my dirty laundry in the streets. I don't want to air that out for everyone to see. Totally. So first thing is you don't share your wounds. You share your scars. Chicks dig scars. Why do they dig scars? Like, what happened? You're like, oh, like, check this out. Like, you're not sitting there <laughs> crying about the fact that you just fell on your motorcycle. Like, you're sh- sharing a scar and telling the story of how you got it and what you learned from it. So I kind of look at it like this. I look at these stories as if there's nothing valuable, no takeaway, don't share with them. Like, I don't want to hear your dirty laundry and crap either. But I do want to hear if you struggle with the same thing that I'm currently struggling with, but you overcame it. And so I look at it kind of like, imagine if you're in the middle of Africa and you need water. You could be anywhere, but in the middle of Africa, probably need water. Yeah. So you're in the middle of Africa and you're like, okay. There's a big desert there, so it's highly likely you might. <laughs> yes. You're like, okay, I have a couple options. I need to either find a spring or dig a well. One of the two. So whether you find the spring or you dig the well, I'm not saying complain. Oh my gosh, I can't find water. Uh, people are going to connect with me. No. Like you either found a spring or you dug a well. And once you do that, you now have the opportunity to share with other people that are thirsty in Africa, how they too can dig a well or how they too can go find the spring and you can lead them to the same thing. Much different. And so I'm almost excited when I go through issues because I'm able to share it with other people. Meaning that even with buying, I I even use this as a sales script now. It's freaking hilarious. I'm selling people and I go, hey, Remember what you're feeling right now. Are you feeling like, man, Nicholas is like young. How could he know what he's talking about? I'm like, remember that because people will be thinking that when they're talking to you. And if you tell them that story about how you thought that during this moment and you bought, well, then they'll be inclined to do the same exact thing. Like I literally take every moment when I used to act like everything was fine. I never connected with my audience. As soon as I started looking back through how I actually felt and sharing that, All of a sudden, everyone started connecting with it. So even the buying process, three months ago, I hired a coach, health coach, actually, which is so freaking funny, right? But I was like, I need a new (laughs) coach. I have have a kid. I want to be able to do something different. I want someone to write my plans for me. I don't want to do what I say. I just don't want to do it. Well, guess what? I had been following this guy for two years, never bought before. 
Then I thought about buying from him for three months. During that time, I was very inconsistent on my workouts. Finally, I caught myself. I invest in his program and literally in one day, everything shifted mentally for me where I didn't even really need the program. Something shifted on the inside. I started eating better. I started because I finally made that investment, but I was nervous leading up to choice. Yeah. Yeah, I was, but I was nervous leading up to it. I was kind of afraid, like even after I had bought it, something bad happened the next day. And I was like, should I maybe, and I had those feelings like, should I have not done that? Like that might've been a bad decision. And notice that I actually just felt like I just shared something that would be like, you know, personal. Like why, why would I share that? Because other people out there are feeling the same exact thing. Just no one's talking about it. But when I talk about it, they understand how to overcome that done it many, many times before. So every single thing that you feel like that, you're able to share that story. It helps your clients overcome it, but you're not telling them, Hey, don't refund on me. Hey, don't back out. No. Hey, I actually just invested in a coach as well. And afterwards I kind of felt like backing out, but I'm so glad that I didn't because now I've been three months, a hundred percent on point, but it took me overcoming that. So if you ever feel that as well, the best thing to do is just keep going. They're like, ah, that makes sense. And then they're in your program and they're like, man, I don't want to do this. But Nicholas, you know, Nicholas had that same feeling like, and he's legit. Like I should probably keep going. <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm telling you, That's it's, perfect. It's, it's actually probably one of the biggest things that, that people are lacking right now is the ability to just tell the story that gets the point across. Yeah. And that's, that's so perfect guys. And look, I, I don't, I don't a lot of you guys who follow me, who listen to are listening to this right now might say, well, how do I do that You know, in my business? There's always a way to transform it into a story. Um, and look, I, one of the things well, that one I of my mentors four. taught me. I have four oh, if you want to share them. Sure. Yeah, yeah, one, let's, let's hear it. So number one, share your mission and vision. Mission and vision should be bigger than your product or service. What are you going towards? For me, like what, what's your business ultimately like trying to do? Share that mission and vision. That's one thing that you can share that people will connect with. It'll be like a moving train. What I found is that I'm going to go real quick. So like you got to go backwards, whatever. I'm just trying to respect all <laughs> time. We, we, we can re-listen to this. That's the great part about this. We're rewatching either way. So even the guy who sits on the bench, wins the Super Bowl, gets a ring. Most people in their life don't have a vision. So what do they want to do? They want to come into sub mission to other people's missions and visions. So if you have a mission and vision, other people come in sub mission to that mission. They want to promote it. Why? Because they want to be a part of something. You're doing great things. They want to jump on board. So that's one thing that I share. For me, redefining what it means to be a businessman, changing the dictionary definition where you cannot be called a businessman if you're not going after prospering health, wealth, and relationships. And then our goal is to transform our men to transform other men. So like that'd be a short version of it, right? People are like, wow, that's cool. You don't even know what I sell, but you want to be a part of it. The second thing is your story. What are the things that you've overcome that you can share that are almost like lead magnets, right? Bob puts out lead magnets or even the show and the title is what gets you in. Well, guess what? Every story and every post that you make, every video that you make, every person that you talk to, you have an opportunity to create one of those. When I share that story and I say my dad and my parents broke up when I was four, Everyone who had a parent like that like, is like, oh my gosh, my parents broke up too. And all of a sudden, they're more inclined to listen to me. It's almost like another way to draw people in. The third one is other people's stories. I share my clients' testimonials. Why? Because Bob losing weight or making money is something his story will relate to redheads better than I will. <laughs> but that is one thing. <laughs> I would right? certainly hope so. If not, then what the heck? Like if you saw a successful redhead, you'd be like, oh, like props, you know, like that's right. <laughs> but, but, or a taller person, right? Like 
if someone's tall and lanky or, or remember when you first joined with me, you're like, man, I don't like certain types of foods. So when you share your right. testimonial, it'll reach a different type of person that my story will. And then the last one is, is stories that get people to believe things that aren't actually even real. These are day-to-day ones that you can share. Meaning like I went up, I just hiked a mountain and I told the story. I was like, I could do this with anything in the world. I could do it with the computer right now. Check this out. Hey guys, when I jumped on this uh, podcast with Bob here, one of the first things that happened was it was super laggy. I noticed that it was like chopping and jumping and all these things. And so the first thing that I did, like most people, was I checked my internet connection. It was good. So then the next thing I did is I saw that I had 18 tabs open across the top. So I started deleting them, like deleting, deleting, deleting. And all of a sudden, everything smoothed out. And the reason why is because bandwidth can only go to a certain amount of things at one time. Like if you can only focus on a certain amount of things or it's going to be laggy across the board. So as I cancel those out, the things that didn't matter is able to focus on one thing, much like our lives. If we have tons of things going on in our life, the first thing we should probably do is check, do we have the bandwidth for this? Maybe delete the things that don't matter and focus on the ones that do so that we can actually make sure that we accomplish them, right? People are like, oh, wow, like that's an awesome thing. I could do, I could do those all days of the week. <laughs> those are the different types of stories that I like to tell to do the same thing. And you've heard- and by the way, guys, you should have book. little stories like that saved. Uh, when I say saved, like literally memorized in your head that you can drop in at the right moments. Like I know in the speaking world, we call them little bits. Like, hey, just drop in this story because it fits I, the context of whatever you're doing. Yeah. I steal all yours too. I'm like, when I hear something good, I put it in my back pocket. I'm like, how can I spin that my way, right? What, what, <laughs> you know, is $15,000 a lot of money? Well, if you went to Vegas and lost it, would it be a lot of money? Yes. If you had it in the bank account at 65 years old, would it be a lot of money? No, right? Like those are right. all things I've learned from other people and you can translate them for your business as well. Yeah. Listen, I, I, I have to call it R&D, rip off and duplicate. I mean, look, guys, like most of what we're doing right now, uh, especially for, for a lot of you following me, nothing's new, right? And as far as I know, and if there is, please reach out and tell me. Like none of us are like creating new advanced technologies or like- I mean, your message, message is brand new. You know, <laughs> that's the first time anyone's ever heard that before. So make sure to give Perfect. me credit. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like a lot of us aren't doing anything super new, right? So can we take what we learned? And I think this goes back perfectly to what you're saying earlier, which is, hey, surround yourself with the right people. Look, like we're just saying it, it's all of these things coming together and it's sort of saying the same thing, but it's all different facets of the same thing. And I think that's hugely powerful when we apply that. And I think the other lesson, if you guys, just to make sure you tr- fully understand what he just said, because I, I think it's important if you didn't hear it, which is, look, you have your stories, other stories, you have your mission, you have those four things that you can always talk about. Of course, you can add in other things if they make sense. Of course, you can layer in something if it needs to be. But at the end of the day, if you have stories in your back pocket that you can pull out, or if you guys remember 1950s Batman with his shark repellent, right? Like, oh, wait, he just happens to have shark repellent? in his belt like of course you know like that's ridiculous in a, in a context of watching a tv show but at the same time it's how we have to be as entrepreneurs instead of having shark repellent your shark repellent is your story that fits into the moment the situation the direction the influence that you want to have with somebody and i think that's huge so make sure you take notes on that if you haven't dude that's that's awesome thank you for sharing that i appreciate so what would you say um, has been the biggest transformation from the point at which you said, okay, I think these things are possible um, to bigger things are possible? Or is it that now that things are possible, it doesn't matter how big it is, everything is possible. Yes, you have to like keep like, re, like re-hitting yourself with that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. 
So for the context of getting out of your own way, I think this is really good. And, and then bring me back to one thing to build confidence in your product or service to your market. I really want to make sure I touch on that because that was a huge transformation for me. Let's get in the context of getting out of your own way. So in my story, I remember going into business at 20, just got married, and I actually had some success in the first couple of months. The first 30 days, I sold over $12,500 worth of stuff. And I was like, this is easy. Like I'm on a roll. Like I was telling people I was retired. Like <laughs> 20 years old, I was telling people that I was a $350,000 a year run rate and that I was retired. People, what do you do? I'm retired. I have a multi six figure company, blah, 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 blah. That's what I was doing. And then all of a sudden I got punched in the face, lost everything, was making $750 a month, drove my wife and I into total debt. We lost the condo that we moved into in San Diego, lost everything that we had had, lost all of our income. My wife had to go work for my grandma in the massage department for $900 a month as a receptionist just to be able to get by. And I had to go crawl back to my dad and ask him if I could live in his house for 30 days because I couldn't find a place cheap enough to accept our personal pay stubs in San Diego. <laughs> We then left that place in 30 days. I had to humble myself to work for my father as a carpet cleaner when just months earlier, I was telling people that I was retired sipping mimosas in the morning, not even getting started till like 1230 in the afternoon, if that. And I remember finally getting this place. I had a 400 square foot, one bedroom apartment where my wife and I were trying to build our business online. We were doing summits at the time, it's 2014, and we were like, turning the computer in the perfect way where like, you know, even back then I would have been embarrassed being in a spare bedroom, right? Cause you had to act like it was like some type of office or something, right. but Corona has obviously helped with that stuff. I remember sitting there <laughs> and just sure. like, I just got in this mode of cleaning carpets, making 1200 bucks a month, barely getting by. And my mindset at the time was save everything. Like if there was a networking event that was $5 for parking, you best know that I would go home to save the five bucks. That if I was going to an event and it was 35 bucks to pay for parking at a hotel, I would sit on the curb and drop a man off. And the decisions that I was making every single day were literally shaping the future of my life. And I remember just one day looking at these two different types of people. My dad at the time had to claim bankruptcy in 2009 because in 2008, we got totally wrecked after like we had a freaking gas pump. We had 26 foot enclosed trailer, 40 foot motorhome, huge property, like awesome stuff like a gas pump on the property where you fill up your freaking car. It's insane. And to claiming bankruptcy. And I remember looking at this other guy that was also in the same industry as my dad. He was a carpet cleaner and his name was Joe Polish. And Joe not only grew his carpet cleaning company, became a carpet cleaning consultant and mentor, and then also went out there and created a thing called Genius Network that does over $10 million a year just from a mastermind. And I started asking myself, what did he do? And he went out there, he educated himself, made the pivots, made the transitions. And one of the biggest things that happened to me that was the biggest transformation is I got out of my van and I realized, man, I've been hoping that my wife is so hot that people will just buy. I've been hoping that I'll get an opportunity that comes my way where I get on a big show or get big influence that people will randomly go to my website and buy. I was blaming it on other people. Like, why is, are these people not somehow giving me the opportunities to make things happen? And it just felt so overwhelming. I remember sitting there going, "It's meant if it's meant to be, it's up to me. Like, what if I actually just had that mindset? If it's meant to be, it's up to me. And that's when I realized something. People in superhero movies, just like you said, say that with great power comes great responsibility. I found that to actually not be true. I found that with when you take great responsibility comes great power. 
that actually your anxiety decreases when you take responsibility because you're not putting giving power to someone else's hands. Meaning that when I am waiting for someone else to change my situation, I now have the anxiety, the anticipation for something to get done that I cannot control, which increases my anxiety because I physically can't control it. But when I take responsibility for it, it decreases my anxiety. I started seeing paths all of a sudden. Like I can make six figures. And I literally made $100,000 that year, not even because I was great at business. I was literally just looking for avenues. I would not, I would work till 10 p.m. if I didn't make $285 a day. And it was so interesting. All of a sudden, I took responsibility, started finding things on the side of the road, selling things on Craigslist, doing whatever it took. And the business actually made $67,000 or something like that that year on the side while I was still cleaning carpets, while I was still remodeling homes, while I was doing all these things. And that's when I ended up focusing. And that was like, the biggest transformation for me was if it's meant to be, it's up to me. When I took that responsibility, I found that any area of my life right now that isn't growing, it usually stems from a lack of responsibility that I've taken for the situation, a position that I need to hire for an employee that's not doing really good, some coaching program that's not selling or whatever it is, finances being misrepresented. I'm like, oh, I just haven't taken responsibility even to set up the delegation of it. I've just hoped that it kind of worked out. And that's why I've been anxious. Take that responsibility. It's the biggest transformation. That's huge. That's huge. And I think, look, guys, this this applies to your personal life too, not just your business life. I mean, as, as we're saying, and of course, you know, you, maybe you realize that, but maybe you don't. So I, I wanted to make that point. All right, dude, this, is, this has been fantastic. Um, so let me ask you this. Um, you've now, you know, so here you are, you've gone through this, you've met the right people, you've surrounded yourself with them, you've got the mindset shift, you said, hey, I'm going to take responsibility. Um, what keeps you uh, either motivated or, you know, pushing forward to something more instead of going back to that, hey, I'm sipping mimosas and I'm retired? Because, I mean, you you know, if you were retired at what you were doing before, you could be retired now based on what you're doing now. So what what keeps you going? Like, why, why is, what's your why now? Well, one of the first things is the more you know, the less you know you know. Like, like uh, now that I know more, I know how little I actually knew back in the day. And that was the only reason I thought I was retired. This is a very interesting question because I feel that it's very contextual to each person on, we've talked about what's your why compared to a goal. That was always a big topic between even us and some of our mentors is figuring out the difference between the why and the goal. What's something that you can, that will push you to do things, even when things are going really well or really bad. And what I found is that usually it's two different types of people. Some people, they work hard when things are bad. And as soon as they get past this, like things are stable now, they end up taking their foot off the gas and repeating the same thing over and over again. The other people, they get hurt when things are bad. That gets them down. But when things are good, they're like on top of it. They keep working. And I've always tried to like make sure that my highs and my lows aren't too crazy. Staying consistently focused on the next outcome, but more focused on the task. So one of the first things that I always do is that I know that through experience and people like Tony Robbins, he has a quote that says progress equals happiness, that it's not an end result. We're always looking for this end destination. And that's great because we need to know where we're going in life. Yet when we know where we're going, the next step is to start creating a plan and steps to be able to get there. And that constant progress towards the goal is actually where fulfillment is actually made. This is why most people who retire die in just a few years after they retire. They've lost vision. There's another quote that says, without vision, a man perishes. There's also another example that in the Holocaust, they saw people would actually live on almost nothing just for the hope of the future of seeing someone they loved again. 
And then as soon as they heard that they passed away or they weren't alive anymore, on average, the person died in the next three days because they lost hope. They had lost vision. So for me, there's many people out there that because of the ability to keep people alive with our cleanliness and the fact that we have lots of food, a lot of people are die at 25, but are buried at 65. And for me, I'm like, how can I make sure I have a vision on the inside of me that is so big, that's multi-generational where I'm still thinking about what can I do where I can only carry the baton 10% and my son can only carry the baton 10% rather than only thinking about myself. And this has been something that's been massively huge for me, yet I feel like one of the biggest reasons it came out is by surrounding myself with people like you, which people can do on this podcast, get together with people like yourself, invest in what you're doing, but also people like my wife. I feel a moral obligation to continue to show up as a powerful human being inside of my relationship and inside of my family, not because of the fear of what they'll think of me, but because of the fear of not reaching my untapped potential. And I feel that that's just become now something that's not even something I look backwards on. I've had employee, people that were employees in the past reach out to me and say, Nicholas, it's been four years working with you, or I've been following you for four years. And finally, I had the click today that I can't go back to corporate America. And I'm like, it took you four years to like make that damn decision. <laughs> uh, I mean, like you worked for like a huge, you know, breaking and entering company for data and all that stuff. Like, like you have the thought probably of like, oh, here's the problem. I work with men, right? Here's the cycle. The man goes down the road. He has something happen in his life. It's a midlife crisis. It's an epiphany that he has. And he says, I don't want to be an employee and enter whatever you want in there. I want to do it my way. So what do they do? They leave their job. And then usually they're in this free fall, right? Like everything's not working out. They're freaking out. Didn't go the way that they wanted to. So generally that leads them to two decisions. They either ascend to the next level and go 100% all in and burn the boats, or they hit rock bottom. All of us have been there before where we have little thoughts creep into our mind. I even now have thoughts of, well, carpet cleaning wasn't that bad waking up and having an agenda just to go clean carpets. I could do whatever I want afterwards. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like the, I could, mm -hmm. like well, at least a good paying job. I totally get it for me. Nothing, no benefits, no nothing. And, and generally what happens in that moment is two things. Either you ascend or, or the opposite. You desire what you once hated. So until we start honoring the process that we're going through, we usually get to the point where we start desiring the very things that we hate. How many people quit their job, didn't get their business off the ground, wasted all their money, quote unquote, they think, and they look back and they go, well, a job wasn't that bad. Not remember, right. we forget pain and we go back and, and eat our own poop. Like just like dogs do, they get, take poop, done, come back, they eat it. And this is a constant thing that's like, you want to make that decision and not go back to that same old life. I can't tell you how many times I hear people desire the very thing that they used to hate because it's really not that bad. And no one wants to live a not that bad life. It's time to ascend to that next level. That's perfect. And I know I can speak from personal experience. I've I've thought about going, but like, uh, there's been several times in the last, um, I mean, when did I leave my job? 2012, I think. Um you know, so what, eight years of doing this, I was like, oh man, you know, I, I could like, it wasn't that bad. Like, listen, I had, I mean, I got paid pretty well. Like what, you know, it definitely was, was it solid. And, you know, I look back and I think to myself, man, you know, that, that could be, that could be an easy thing. And one of the things I always think about to myself is how long before I would get bored again, how long before I would go through the same thing that, that caused me to leave in the first place. Like, yeah, that's I know I was like you're, you're, you're about, you're thinking about going back to the cycle because what will happen is you will leave again. 
And then yeah. because you've gone back, you have a 15%, 15% higher chance of doing it again. Right. So uh, probably more than that once, for me. You have a 15% higher chance of doing it again. So it's like, don't give into it. You know, it's, right. it's, it's like anything in life. Like once, once you go, I'm on a diet this week, but then you eat candy in the middle of it. Like you have a higher chance next week of doing the same thing. Cause now you've already allowed yourself off the loose. And then what do you do next week? Now you don't get around good people because you're so afraid and shameful that you just go into seclusion. Now you're in seclusion and you got candy and you've already given <laughs> up on yourself. So then you're like, F it. I might as well just eat all the candy in the world. Then you get sick. You're like, I'm never doing that again. So you go three weeks without doing it. And then you're not around any good people. You haven't made an actual decision or commitment. You have no accountability. And all of a sudden you go back to the candy. Like people do it with anything in the world. Pornography Crazy. all the way to drinking, alcohol, smoking. Like, again, it's no judgment. I was 60 pounds overweight. You don't get there without love and food and making bad decisions. You best know if you were to jump on my bed back in the day, even though this is spare bedroom pointing at it, uh, you would have found, you would have jumped on it and you would have heard crunches. Why? Because on the corner mm -hmm. of the bed over there would have been all my Reese's like wrappers that I was too lazy to throw away in the middle of the night that I was eating. It was a problem, but it's time to rise above that. I always say you should have standards and you should raise your expectations to meet your standards not lower your standards to meet your expectations. Very, very true. Very true. Dude, awesome. Well, I think we're, we're almost 45 minutes, so I want to respect your time too. I know you have to hop off to another meeting. So um, I want to say thank you so much for being on. Truly appreciate it. It's always a, a pleasure to have a conversation with you. Um, listen, guys, like, I don't know about I don't know about each of you listening to this, but I took away some things that even I like, I know I've heard these things from Nicholas before, which is part of the reason why I wanted him on. But even when you're rehearing it right now, it has me going, oh man, like I totally need to do that again. Like I know that, I already know I know that, but sometimes we have to hear it again for, for it to take place. So where can uh, people go find you and follow you and check you out if they want to? Yeah. So one of the things I just did, which was crazy because we're shipping out a ton right now, is that for the men that are there, we have a group on Facebook called the Billion Dollar Brotherhood. Type it in, let them know that it came from here. And actually we did something where you watch five videos in there and I ship out my book for free. I even cover all the costs of everything just so you know where it's at. One of the things, so you don't just go grab it on Amazon though, it's totally worth it. And then the other thing is Instagram. Nicholas Barely would love to see what's going on. I share like all my life, everything that's going on. You want to see a cute baby laugh? Like I got you covered. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for being on. Thank you so much for uh, being here, Nicholas. As always, everyone, if you want to know more, uh, we'll have links in the show notes. Um, check it out on YouTube if you're on the podcast. If you're on, on YouTube, check out the podcast. Um, subscribe, rate, review, all those good things because we can't help more people unless everyone helps do their part of getting this out there for more people to see. So truly, again, thank you, Nicholas. I appreciate having you on. To everyone else listening or watching, we'll see you guys again on another episode soon. This podcast is sponsored by 3 Degrees Consulting. If you need funnels, websites, paid ads management, or help with any of your digital marketing, 3 Degrees Consulting is your go-to source for everything. Check them out at www.go3dc.com. That's G-O, the number three, D is in degrees, C is in consulting.com. Go check them out right now.